Hey gang, for those of you who enjoy QF, a podcast about Howard Stern, and would like to donate to us just via PayPal, you can using the email address johnnythegreek21 at gmail.com. You can check the link in the description for the spelling, and it's also here on the graphic. And if you'd like to do more in terms of uh, donations or subscriptions, you can use our Patreon account and subscribe via the black kluge level and you can receive our weekly content that we're putting only on patreon it's exclusive for that platform and um anything over five dollars is just gravy guys we love you thank you so much oh no you sound so nice your normal voice and now you come with this little silly i don't know oh, it's awful it's sick it is awful howard well, I always felt I didn't have, like, a real radio voice, you know? Oh, oh, but you have a sexy voice. Hey, sit back down. You mean nothing happened to you? There are people who uh, came to me in this company and said that if I wanted certain people fired, I could have that done. As long as I'd sign here in order to keep me happy. And I said to them, I will never do that. That's a curse. People have a right to work. I don't care who they are. Even if they're uh, people I don't like, I would never take their work away from them. That's just the way I am. That's the one rule I've got. I cling to that rule. I see how it operates. Now, instead, I'm not just the fan or the comic who sits in every once in a while. I see how the place really operates. And I see, yeah, it really is all Howard's cause. I was thinking, like, if I could get, like, a Pam Anderson who's got income, it would be great because I got income, she's got income. We're both working. Unfortunately, I made a check who I really am digging. You, I, I'm in love with her. But you so I, you well, know, what I... What to your goals? You just threw them out wait, the window? I, I threw my goal out to her. <laughs> I, hope she re- I hope she recognizes <laughs> what I gave up. A- if you had to kiss a completely strange girl that you just met, wouldn't you feel maybe that... They, I don't know, maybe it's just me who thinks that. Maybe it's just like real low self-esteem. Wouldn't you think, oh, Christ. So you have... You have like, see, I'm apologizing as I'm doing it. We joke about it, but you do have respect for women, I think, because you have a sister, because I know that there are guys in this business who see that as, I'll you know, stick my tongue down the throat, grab her ass. But I talk. think that's creepy. It's, it's like totally creepy. creepy. Was what a, the fuck? Who wants to mess around with somebody that, that doesn't want to mess around with you? I felt that Mary McCormick, and she's a nice girl. I mean, she's not a loose slut. I didn't care. They said, you're doing a love scene. My hand, if you make love to a Howard Stern, or any of my characters that I play in film. <laughs> All your characters. Are I know every one of my male characters. And when I'm with a woman, which I'm in this be... case was Howard Stern. Yeah, right? I'm playing with your tits, <laughs> and I'm gonna touch them and run my hands over. Well, That's again, how I make love. They said that. Hey, gang, and welcome once again to QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. We're doing Landing the Plane Part Two. Uh, I'm your host, Fillmore, aka Jim Fix. With me, of course, for this particular episode, returning to the podcast is. Mr. Richard Wilson. How you doing, Rich? Hello, hello. <laughs> Sam, you're here too. How you doing, Sammy? I'm so great. I'm so happy to see Richie. Um, so a lot of people, Rich, still don't know to this day. Was Gilbert banned because of the cupcakes, spitting on the cupcakes, or was it just a Marcy edict? You know, he's going to be of that era that's not, he's too, he's too hot for the room now. Uh, it, it's a little bit of both, I believe. The mm-hmm. spitting definitely was over the top. I mean, I was two feet away from it, and I <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I, I remember the pain I had in my stomach because of the look of disgust on Lisa G's face. It was worth it. Oh, it was so goddamn funny. So that definitely got the ball rolling. Yeah. And then 
you know, he would push and drop an end bomb, and then one end bomb from him turns into fifty. Yeah. And I remember the look of panic and f- just fury on Howard's face when he's like, "Gilbert, stop! Gilbert, stop!" And Gilbert would go, "What? Stop saying?" Eh? And it would just keep going and going and going, and that didn't help either. You know what I mean? And with the with the new branded Howard, that wasn't going to fly. Well, connected to that, did you know? Because a lot of people associate Marcy Turk with the whole changeover, but in actual fact, wasn't it um, wasn't it way earlier, like two thousand eight? He was starting to turn more, like when he started being friends with Rosie and whatnot. Yeah, during one of the little town hall meetings, I remember he told us about like our work ethic and how everything's going to change there. And he said something to the effect of, I want you to be more like Scientologists. Yeah. And that was was during the era that Marcy was at his house when none of us knew about it. Mm -hmm. So he he wants to follow people around and (laughs) some... creepy religion that you can't get out of and stalk you cool. yeah well that's what the getting things done guy he's pretty much an l ron hubbard ripoff isn't it ironic though that gilbert he howard used to kind of antagonize him to keep going in the direction of keep saying the end bombs or keep going in that thread when celebrity was celebrities were on or guests were on, he liked when Gilbert would just keep doing it. And then Gilbert all of a sudden had to change. I'm sure Gilbert was kind of like, wait, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you have seen that documentary about Gilbert Gottfried, yeah, it's wicked. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It fuels him. Like he's, I think that was in the documentary where like, if he's bombing, he'll just go 10 times more over the top. <laughs> yeah. Just just to fuck with people. And I think that's what it is with Gilbert. Once he sees like there's a, a button pushed or a trigger, he's got to go way over the edge. Yeah. He's going to elbow smash that, that trigger. Oh, big time. Yeah, exactly. I had in the summer in 2005, uh, summertime, uh, Howard started having people over for like these grilling things <laughs> yeah. with uh the guy from barbecue usa like steve <laughs> steve raiklin i don't know how to pronounce his last name uh to give lessons where you were a part of were you a part of these grilling sessions no i wasn't privy to that that i wasn't in that tier of <laughs> oh of, of, <laughs> of people to invite if if you did you hear about any of the goings on of the grilling no, because that was more Gary. Uh, nobody like on on his level that he would invite. So, if anybody from the show went, it was probably just Gary, and then like their other friends from outside of the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Fair enough. Uh, I've got one. Um, it's kind of a. Uh, it's I guess a technical question. Now, now you guys, of course, recorded the show live, and there was delay and whatnot, but. When, were there ever was there ever a show where you guys actually recorded video and audio live and let it play out? I can't imagine there was outside of maybe Vegas shows. Yeah, yeah, just out Vegas or the LA shows. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been done. And the the question was basically: Was Howard ever like um, 
thrilled about doing those on location shows because he couldn't have quite control over his his look if he was in Vegas or was it one of those things where he had no choice in the matter um as far as i know he had a grip on everything he had, he he had a nothing was done without his okay okay so it was it was just something that he accepted as a matter of course yeah. okay yep. sam nothing I just kind of had a on the fly question now that you said nothing was done without is okay. Fillmore and I were watching, we were doing this one episode and we were watching the making of the Howard Stern TV promo where he's in this white suit and he's like doing the whole circus promo for the ETV show. Yeah, for and the intro. For the intro to the E show or the Howard TV show, excuse me. And it looked like the director was expecting Howard to come up with something, but Howard had nothing. And the guy just looked like lost, like he had to come up with all the ideas. And Howard seemed completely uninterested and didn't have any ideas to add to it. Were, did you have any meetings about how those intros were going to go down? Did he have any say in that or did he just show up? No, I, I really don't know much about those meetings. It was pretty much just Doug, Ganji, and the the crew for the commercial. Like nobody else from Howard TV was really a part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was an isolated thing. That was very yeah. uh, on the on the fly. Okay, fair enough. Um, I got a question about Beetlejuice because we all love him, and um, we don't generally talk about Whack Packers too much. But there was some scuttlebutt over the years that, uh, and I think Bob Levy alluded to it that. Sometimes people would fuck with Beetlejuice just to get him riled up for the show, and he'd be upset. Was there any truth to that? Yeah. So, shh, dog. <laughs> yeah. So, if you ask Beetlejuice, how are you, more mm-hmm. than twice, it pisses him off. Okay. Because then he thinks you're patronizing him. And, and um, Isaac, who used to work camera, sure. Beetlejuice, for some reason, would get mad at him. because Just because Isaac would be like, Beat, how you doing? Beat, you okay? And then Beat would just get really pissed off he he felt like it was patronizing so mm-hmm. you know but that's beat but but i'm saying was it was it done intentionally or was it something that people weren't aware of and it happened just because people were not uh, cognizant of that you know his his little idiosyncrasies it, it depends who it is if mm-hmm. it was doug or myself of course we'd fuck with him because we also know him like he'd come in he'd go hey cocksucker and he'd give you a big hug and but and you'd mess back with him, you'd give mush his face, or you just goof on him a little bit. And he got it. He would get a little bit riled up, but he knew it was all for the show. Because if you said to him, Beetlejuice, it's just a script. It's just a script. He immediately would know, oh, I'm just fucking around, and I'm just playing. Okay. But, but then there were other people that, like, if Gary or someone, like, said to him over and over, hey, how you doing, Beetle? You okay? Is everything all right? He'll get really pissed off at that. Wow. Okay. Was there any times where he could read other people on the show and he messed back with them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I can't think of an instance off the top of my head, but yeah, Beetlejuice knew when to turn it on. Like, oh, there was one uh, contestant he was going to get hit in the punch in the balls by Beetlejuice <laughs> just to meet him. <laughs> okay. This was like by Beetlejuice's third or fourth appearance. Yeah. And so Beetlejuice, you know, he wound up and re- we really thought he was going to crack this kid in the nuts. And Beetlejuice stopped just like an inch away from the kid's crotch and was like, <laughs> just gave a little, a little love tap. So he definitely, he knew when to turn it on there. 
Fair enough. Um, we've got a question from um, Sarah Washington, who's one of our fans. What was the reaction of the the crew, and I guess the entire staff, really, when uh, on the time when the bro fight, basically, when Artie called him a pelican, which I believe wasn't the first time, but it was the the only time that it happened where Howard reacted so you know negatively and strongly. What was the reaction when you guys were filming it or seeing the footage and sifting through it? There's only about four or five moments in the history of the show that I can remember that elicited this same reaction. Mm -hmm. But if you're watching a fight and the most vicious knockout of all time comes, the whole crowd of units is, oh, and the hands go up in the air and you're all looking at each other and smiling and high-fiving. And it's like that moment. It's like the most epic knockout moment of a fight and the reaction the second after it happens. Oh my God! It's the end of like Rocky too. Oh, just it, like... it, the, the it's like the whole room in unison just, or it's you know scoring the USA scores the winning you know hockey goal at the last second, the the eruption in the whole room. It's it's just amazing. The miracle on ice. Well, this is the well that, that. But if it was something like that, would you guys have to be careful to hide that reaction, or was it a, a case of everybody going go already, go already? It, you couldn't hide your reaction. You couldn't. You're, it, it was one of the all-time best fuck you back lines. So you, you couldn't hide it. I know, but wouldn't you, was there any fear at all of saying like, oh, Jesus, if it gets back to Howard, we could be in some shit that we, you know, we love this? No, because honestly, I'm sure the entire bullpen screamed at the exact same moment too when it was said. And if, if there was a studio door being opened by Gary or by Ronnie at that time, yeah. It would have been heard in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just thank you, Sarah, for the question. This Sam. So now going on that thread, Bob Levy exploded on Howard when Howard didn't let him come in to plug something, and everyone seemed to take Bob's side, uh, including Artie. So literally, Bob exploded. He went on this epic rant about uh, miser- miserable men. Yeah, huge rant. Mm-hmm. And so did any of the Howard TV guys or people on the show, including you, discuss the Bob Levy rift or the epic rant? And how did you feel about the situation? From what I can remember, it was pretty much like a red flag list thing. It was just basically, OK, Bob Levy's no longer allowed on the show. Cut mm-hmm. out all things Bob Levy. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Vaguely remember the whole Bob Levy incident. But I mm-hmm. do have a recollection of just coming in the room the next day and being like, all right, Bob, all things Bob Levy, cut out. Wow. Wow. That's pretty amazing because I just uncovered an archive of Miserable Men stuff, and it's it's a lot of hours. It's more hours than I care to to recall, actually. Um, and it's a vast archive. Um, I got a question from Felix Schneier, and I hope I'm saying your name right, son. Uh, Artie and other staffers have expressed that Howard was bad for talking about things that staffers didn't want on the air, despite being told not to bring him up. But was Howard the only one known for this, or was he just one of many people who you had to watch out, you know, and who you confided in because it was going to get um, put on the air, whether you liked it or not? The way that would work is, like, even though, like, let's say Gary knew something. Sure. He wouldn't just walk in on the air and go live on the air and say, hey, Howard, something strange happened with Richie in the back. Mm-hmm. During a commercial break, that's when he would slip it to Howard, and then Howard would bring—he'd be the one to bring it up on the air. 
Okay, because this I'm going to play you a clip of the example, and I, I want you I want you to tell me what you think about if see if this was uh, a typical thing. So one sec. Funniest damn thing happened during the commercials. What? Gary comes to me and goes, "Okay, listen, I can talk to you because Artie's out of the room." He goes, uh, "Artie's um, starts telling me something." Artie was in the room. Artie stood up. Now, Artie, Artie was sitting right there. Gary was looking at him. I had my head down looking at the newspaper. So Gary goes, oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. I go, Gary, it was so goddamn embarrassing. And I made a face. And Gary's like, oh, come on. Like, you've never done that? I go, no, I don't. Not a, no. I, look, I, I mean, I look. Okay. So another example of, you know. And then I, I understand the idea of he had to go into him during a break, let's say, and talk to him about something that was going to go down. But this is clearly a reason for uh, looking for t a reason to talk shit about Artie while Artie was, quote, out of the room. So was that normally how it would go down? That's a, that, that, that was pretty much my description. Gary would walk in during the commercial uh -huh. and say, hey, Howard, I got to tell you something. That's mm -hmm. exactly what Gary did in, the, in that clip. And that's how it would pretty much go down 99% of the time, unless there was a complete epic meltdown in the back and okay. Gary would have to interrupt the show. I was going in some of the archives on Marks for Ian, and I wanted to know, in 2005, the E-Crew was told they were not allowed to participate in the drinking shows. Uh, why was that mandate handed down? And can you explain what happened and why, and what were those sit-downs like? Why were you guys told you couldn't drink on the drinking shows anymore? Um, I've believe that came down from the higher ups at E, mm -hmm. not from like a stern side. That was from, I can't remember the woman's name who was the head of E at the time, but that, that was, if I remember that was an edict that came down from them. And then what was Howard like when he was drunk? And what was the most intoxicated you've ever witnessed seeing him? I've seen him drunk a few times at, you know, parties but never sloppy. You could just tell he was buzzed and having a good time. Like mm -hmm. he wasn't, he was a little more social. Like at the Christmas parties, you seemed like he had a drink or two in him. You know, yeah. I'm sure a drink or two is all that would, you know, would take to get him buzzed. So. That would, uh, then he'd become Paul Lind. Um, I okay. think that um, <laughs> I got, I've got another clip here and this is from, um, I think 2005, approximately uh louis the board op louis castillo came in because there was a whole the whole i'll just set this up for those who don't know what i'm talking about he came in and uh, it was gary was told that there's somebody in the back office who would admit to not liking him and he said and he, it was a great moment because he said i'll listen unlike other people i won't get upset and then this guy came in and told him this there's a there's a myriad of reasons why wow. Please, I'll say gary's off my christmas card list thank you I don't know. I think he's. I think he's rude. I think he's inconsiderate. I think he's incredibly forgetful. I think he has a tendency to, in a professional sense, make up conversations that never happened, and conveniently forget conversations that actually did happen. <laughs> I'm not going to talk. So far, I'm with you. Okay, so Howard not backing him up, not not backing a buoy up one moment, and this kind of goes into another clip that I'm going to play. It's of you. So just bear with us. Clue me in, because I'm interested. Because I, I respect you. Is you think Gary's lazy, right? Everyone says that. No, I don't think he's lazy. I've heard you criticize him behind his back. I, I, and say I, he's no, lazy. I'll say th I'll say this because yeah. I'm not going to shy away from anything. I think in the past few years, and I'll probably be probably be the only one 
to vocally say it here out loud. Go I ahead. think he's gotten arrogant in the past few years. Oh, I think he's developed a little bit of an ego in the past few years. Now, the reason why I brought that up is it goes to line in with a question that someone has asked from uh, from our show, from our uh, our group, Randall Oliver, basically asking, did Gary have any real power as a producer? First, there's a multi-tiered question. Or was he just Howard's mouthpiece, essentially? That was one. And second of all, what, how did your relationship change with Gary over the years? Because it did, it did seem at some point there was a little animosity, maybe not even just between you and Gary, let's say, but between the, between the crew and Gary. Um, it, it definitely towards the end, was uh, there was no synergy between the radio side and the TV side. Mm-hmm. You know, for as mm-hmm. much as you tried, it, you knew the writing was on the wall and you know, my my relationship with Gary didn't help much either. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Because mm-hmm. we actually started off getting along well with each other. Like, I used to think Gary was a good guy. I would tell them, when they would ask, what's he like? I'd be like, he's just a good guy, just a solid guy. But that was back at K-Rock. Mm-hmm. And then when the switch went to Sirius, he definitely developed an ego. He got new money? Yeah. Do you think it was... Besides the ego, do you think it was sometimes, do you think it's a lack of critical thinking skills versus like these, I don't know, like uh, almost Pavlovian dogmatic responses to doing your job for so long and just assuming you are just doing the same thing over and over again and losing the innovative like creativity of being the producer of the show? So the ego combined with that and just not being a critical thinker. I feel like Gary just somewhere along lost that critical thinking skill too. I I wonder if he ever had it. (laughs) I I just, I just, sometimes he just, it, it just like stunned me at how little he was a critical thinker in his job. And that sort of job requires critical thinking skills. I think the show just became plug and play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was yeah. there was no there was no spark left in it. And from what I've heard over the past few years, like it really is just a cut and paste show. Like there's nothing going on there. Mm-hmm. So and I'm you know for someone who was every day a part of every bit, and then all of a sudden it just becomes the show can run itself. You know what I mean? At a certain point. Yeah. Uh, well, along that, along those lines, uh, Rich, what, what what would you say? Um, it, it's it, I guess it's it's hard to put into words, I suppose, but uh, for myself. But uh, did you, does it? You, and you explained also during that clip. There's a longer clip where you explained I- I- examples of, of Gary being a bit of a a bit of a dick, and then him sort of admitting it uh, indirectly. Would would you say that most people have the same experiences with Gary? Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. If if they, I don't think the show would have the balls to do one of those secret ballots like they used to do. Yeah. On what on what people think. Yeah. And I think if they ask that question, is Gary arrogant? Does he have an ego or whatever? Or is Gary a pathological liar? I yeah. guarantee <laughs> it would be overwhelming yeses if it was one of those secret ballot shows. Well, so this lying thing, that, that's something that a lot of people wouldn't be aware of because uh, Shuttering John published it in his book, um, Struggle. It's, it's a struggle to read, but you know, at least he did put something out there. He had the balls to. Um, but 
it, how would it manifest itself in terms of lying? Would he just is it just making up stories where it just he never he was never a part of or that didn't actually occur or would it be subtle stuff? It, it would be a little bit of both. It would be some of those things where like that never happened. That never happened when Gary, it happened. It happened 10 minutes ago. We got it on tape. Okay. You know what I mean? And he would just deny, deny, deny a bunch of things. Wow. And the and the other part is he told me this. This is after Shittens came out. He was okay. Like, oh, I, I oh, got him. Shittens.com. So, and he was telling me, oh, thanks. For, I gave him a few packs. He's like, oh, thanks for the few packs. I gave them to my son. They're on his table, right on his next to his bed in his college dorm. And then there was a commercial for Dude Wipes or one of those wipes. <gasps> and he goes, oh, I gave them to my son. They're so great. They're right on the night table next to his bed. Like it was the exact same story he, he told me. So that was plug and play as well. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> did did Gary like intoxicated or even like sober spill any misgivings or animosity towards Howard in the direction of the show privately to you? No, never. That never happened. We've never been that drunk where we'd want to hang out with each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a I got a hypothetical for you, uh, Rich. It's not, actually not even hypothetical. I should re rephrase that. Um, I know you like when Scores was the thing. Everybody went to Scores. When it, when it became Rick's Cabaret, people went to Rick's, etc. But I know the boys' rule. You know the men's rule. You don't talk about shit. You know whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Same principle applies. Would you be willing to tell at least some things that went on, but not name any names that went on at Scores? And let people guess? Uh, stuff that I've personally seen or stuff that I've heard verified from multiple people. Whichever is more entertaining. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> no pronouns. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, take well, your time. We, we have all well, night. Well, I, I did see or you somebody. Can make it up. I did see somebody cheat on their fiance. Okay. I did see that, so that could be figured out probably. At, no, but I mean, did they end up? Wait, did they end up marrying the fiance? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Uh, uh, I've heard stories of somebody walking in a room with their pants down with a celebrity with her clothes off okay but this like 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 i'm saying at these clubs yeah yeah, yeah. At, uh, it happened at it happened in like scores had like a back room and that back room had a back room there was a staircase to another back room mm -hmm. so it happened who, in that back 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 room who is the most frequented celebrity that you saw there like the one who you saw the most there multiple times charlie sheen must have had a bed there <laughs> You know, I never, it was mostly baseball players, but not like, not one particular person all the time. Mm -hmm. I really didn't, or I just didn't care that somebody was there. You know what I mean? It was, it was quite the hang for a lot of people, even if nothing was happening. Scores became sort of a place to be seen, like a lot of places in New York eventually become, and then they have their run. But um, one, one of the things was also the funny money, like the score, I think it was Scores funny money. I think I'm, yeah. I'm right. Yes, you're right. So did that stuff ever, did people ever have to go really out of pocket there? Because the show used to plug Scores like crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, I would when I would go there with Ronnie, I'd still tip out of my own pocket a couple of hundred bucks. You know, a, sure. a quote unquote free night there does still run you a couple hundred bucks because yeah. you just you just tipping like crazy. But yeah. Lonnie would just also just buy you dances left and right, like he was. He is. He's the most generous person ever. He really is. <laughs> okay, uh, Sam. So. Since the fallout of the end of scores and how all that transpired, did any of you during that time period hear of inklings of this going on, like of people being taken advantage of or uh, strippers, drugging people, people? All all the stuff that eventually came out. Yes. Yeah, I never heard of any of that going on. None of us. None of us knew of it that I know of, mm-hmm. and I it was never. If it did, if the guys knew about it, they didn't talk about it with me. Yeah. Did anyone get a stripper pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't. <laughs> that's a, that's the first step to victory. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. I've got um, also the an, another question uh, along the the lines here. Um, let's see if I got this right. Uh, oh yes, there was uh, at one point um, uh, talk from DePace. I know DePace said it on the air that there is a compilation of Bowie sleeping on the job, maybe picking his nose, eating like a, a savage, like all these black and white cookies, playing solitaire, whatever, just fucking about on his job, basically. Doing a good office. job. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, other than what we've seen, where there's just one famous clip of him sleeping and, you know, smacking his gums, which is, is pretty much the uh, American gothic of Bowie's work ethic. But um, if was there, do you know of, did such a tape exist? And do you know if it still exists? I don't know if there was a tape an actual right tangible tape but when we would notice something we would switch to one of the cameras that was being recorded like the, one of the iso cameras yeah we would switch to record him for a couple of seconds and mm-hmm. then we'd say to this guy joe jordan we'd be like joe note of the log gary was sleeping <laughs> or joe note, note of the log and then we have like like a whole running log of all the times we fuck Gary. Oh my god, I would love to watch that on a loop. Like, like, like Gary's licking peanut butter out of a jar, and he's you know. <laughs> we, we, we did he's have like that. We did have that. We had Gary spaniel. actually like licking peanut butter out of a jar. <laughs> oh. oh, I got a Photoshop now ahead of me. The Christmas parties always seem like a shit show before they became, you know, these like corporate awful things and boring, which they seem so boring now. What were some of the craziest memories from them and the most embarrassing? And please let me uh, know there's like a great Beth drunk story in some of them. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The best one ever that got out of control was... uh... I think her name was Sarah. Benji was dating at the time. That girl was out of control. That I remember that that, that Christmas party was probably the craziest because her legs were up in the air the whole night, and I don't think she was wearing any underwear. <laughs> oh. She was on the show a couple of times as a guest. Uh huh. I'm not sure. Fillmore, do you remember her name? Is it Sarah? Uh, I, I, which you're not talking about. Um, the one was it the cookie wrapper he... girl? The cookie wrapper? 
where he ate her out with the cookie wrapper? No, that, that was at a bachelor party. That was at a bachelor oh, party. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not talking about Elisa Jordana. You're, 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 oh. you, this, is, this is absolutely someone called Sarah. It was, the one, it was the one right before Elisa Jordana. I'll have to look that one up, but I'll put it in another post if gem. I can find it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, another another person uh, just out of finishing school. Um, so she <laughs> did like did the world gape? Like did they did you know did the, her knees go to east and west and everybody had to turn? What was the story? <laughs> I, I just remember her like on the dance floor. There was this booth along the wall, and her sitting there, and you just saw everything: legs up and woo. What? <laughs> Like like she was going down a roller coaster and she was putting her legs up. <laughs> Way to class it up, Benji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just picture you know how you go on a roller coaster and they freeze frame you yeah. and then you can buy your pictures at the end. <laughs> your legs are up in the air. A nice um, gash. <laughs> I want uh, I want to ask Rich just about um, filming on location. Like you had to do, I believe you were involved with uh, Meet the Christies, right? No, I wasn't involved with that. That was no, actually I, ice. you could you, I know. Well, I know you you got close with Richard uh, doing some shoots. Was it cut? Was it Rocklahoma or um, um, what were what were some of the shoots you had to do on location with Richard? Uh, the, the first shoot Richard and I did together was uh, his makeover. OK, that was Doug <laughs> and, I, and, and oh. Beth was the stylist. Oh. And, and <laughs> we just had a fun time because if, if you know the store in. That, well, it used to be there called Trash and Vaudeville. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one on St. Mark's Place. The guy, Jimmy, that used to run the place. He was this wild, over-the-top character. And he was he would just walk around and go, rock and roll, metal, metal. And <laughs> he, he was in his own world, and we loved him because he had a heart of gold. Yeah. And when he, he came in there and saw Richard, like, he just lit up, and he was so happy to have Richard there. And Richard saw this guy was like the Willy Wonka of heavy metal. If I yeah. can, that's the best way to describe Jimmy. Okay. And so Richard just lit up and we just had such a great time that they all like just hanging out and bullshitting. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Did you feel like Beth knew what she was doing? Uh, well, Jimmy picked out the clothes for this, for the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. Jimmy Jimmy picked out the outfits. Okay, so, fair, so fair enough. enough I just said. I just spoiled that shoot. <laughs> uh, That's all right. Sorry. I mean, I mean the, the the real key the the real key in that one is actually just seeing how he changed from one thing to the other. But um, and I, he actually I believe Richard's a father twice now. He's a yeah. he's a he's a dad. Can, can you can, yeah? Can you can you picture Richard as a dad? I believe it or not, can even though he's this heavy metal like this legendary heavy metal drummer. I mean, look how emotional and how he cried when his uh, beta fish died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's got so much love to give. He's going to yeah. be like the best dad. He really we love, is. We I'm, love Richard. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be up in New York in 10 days. So I'm going to try to get together and if he's allowed, you know, to see yeah. some of the um, kids. <laughs> yeah. You might need to go to a speakeasy for that. I... I think Richard would be a great dad just from when you hear the voicemails of Richard's father yeah, I love those. on the Stern voicemails. You can tell he was a loving father, even though, you know, it's pretty, uh, I, I guess, like not the way we were brought up, most likely yeah, the, like killing raccoons. 
no shit. But it, but in the con, I although we weren't eating raccoons off, you know, whatever. He he still is. In context, though, he's always very concerned, loving, always says how much he loves him, worries about him. It's he's a very loving parent. So I think Richard would be a great dad. Yeah, just just because his father would get on the air and leave messages about how he found some coons without context <laughs> that 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 always made for entertainment. Um, one question I had about uh, Rich was more about you personally. Um, you mentioned on the show, I don't have the clip handy that um, when you and Rachel were still like in early stages and then later later on that you went to therapy for at some yeah. some point, would you be willing to talk a little bit about how what kind of therapy was and how it helped you basically? It was just your standard cognitive behavior therapy, and it mm-hmm. just, you know, there, there were some good things about it, some bad things about it, and mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, she wanted me to do it like this, spend the last minute doing like, you know, deep breaths and chanting. That's that's not me. That yeah. don't, you know what I mean? That was that yeah. was the negative because okay. It's hard for me not to want to make a fart noise right when we're in the middle of that. Like, it's supposed to be quiet, meditating, and doing like, I just want to be like, excuse me. Yeah. And then what helped was this woman was a stunner. I mean, she was drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> and, and I told Rachel, and, and I, I told Rachel after, after my first time with her, I came home, I said, listen, full disclosure, because I'm going to therapy to work on our relationship. Yeah, she's probably the best looking woman I've ever seen in my life. And Rachel was like, <laughs> "Okay, I do appreciate you telling me that." And then about a year and a half later, we're in Union Square. Yeah, and we run into her, and Rachel just takes a deep breath and she looks at me. She goes, "Oh, it's a damn good thing you told me what she looked like." <laughs> <laughs> well, the, by the way, well this this was only this only took what the course of a year, less than a year, to uh, yeah. come to its court, come to its conclusion. Yeah, I, I just had to get myself in check was basically what it was. And she just helped me. You know, there, were, there weren't any hysterical crying breakthrough, yeah. things like that. But it was just a little reality check where I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm doing wrong. And and I, I appreciate, to this day, I still keep in touch with her. Last I um, we spoke, she moved to Australia. And um, so we still keep in touch because she, she definitely did, a, you know, affect my life. That's wonderful. Uh, and the only reason I ask is because I wanted to compare it and contrast it to Howard's bullshit analysis, which is not, you know, goal oriented. And like how <laughs> how you might be considering thinking, Jesus, well, it didn't work for Howard, but every therapy is not the same. Uh, and so uh, would it would it even occur to you to have done the same therapy he did? And what do you think of the, <laughs> the effects of his? <laughs> OK. Would you take your car to the same mechanic three times a week for 40 fucking years, the same mechanic, or would you get a new mechanic? If it wasn't working. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's going to the same shrink three or four days a week for how many years? And it's clearly not working. Either he's just unfixable or his shrink is not helping him at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, in that particular, that it's, it's Freudian. It's just analysis. You don't. It's talk therapy. You just talk, and they listen, and, and uh, it's just someone to convey to. I don't. I'm not like trying to goof on the guy, or is he so badly damaged that it actually is taking this long uh, to, mm, to get any better? 
Yeah, <laughs> I think the jury the jury mm. is unanimous on this one. <laughs> uh, um, the, uh, the that's that's kind of cool. That's I I just saw that in passing actually. So your wedding list uh, was a big topic of discussion on the show. How did you formulate the guest list? Who was left on? Who was left off? And was there anyone that didn't come that you were surprised by? Uh, the the guest list was picked by. I wasn't going to invite a lot of people from the radio side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, and believe it or not, aside from just like Will and Gary not being invited that made it on the air, there were about 20 people from Howard TV who also didn't get invited mm-hmm. because I couldn't have that many people. It's so a number like, it, it really is. And then like I wasn't invited to Will's wedding just a year before, so... Yeah. Why, why should I invite him to mine? You know what I yeah. mean? But he made a, you know, he was unhappy with the fact that he wasn't invited. And I get it. I respect it. You know, his opinion. So basically there was, there was a, a, a poll, some kind of internal serious poll done around 2007. And this is the clip I'm going to uh, bring up. Everyone likes Artie. Artie's super funny. They yeah. describe him as, you know, a little bit crude, but funny and uh, they likable. Baba Booey. Everyone loves Baba Booey. I'm reading the research, and then yeah. it gets to me, and they go, well, because Howard's so controversial, maybe these, this is the reason for the results. Like, 40% of the people kind of like me. The rest of them think I'm a fucking asshole. Really? Crude. Everybody disgusting. loves Artie. Oh, Artie, yeah. They love yeah, him. Yeah, but are you sure they really know who me and Baba Booey are? I like? don't know. They like you. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to ask the genesis of this, and maybe Doug Goodstein's the one to ask more about this, because maybe you don't know as much as, as, as he might. But do you know much about this? Yeah, I remember Howard has subtle tics, you could tell. Like, he'll do an eye movement, he'll take a, a pause. You won't hear it, but when you're watching the video, you notice all like, these little ticks and tells. When he found out Artie was more popular, there was an instant little, you saw something. You saw something register that he did not like it. Right. Like, there was something in his face where he clearly was affected by that. Yeah, even though even though he'll try to you know brush it off and whatever, you know it, it had to have bothered him. Oh, big time! You know he went for one of his therapy sessions probably that <laughs> afternoon. It it festered too. It was one of those things that didn't just stay. It didn't just affect him that day. It festered. Oh, it had to have. Yeah. To this day, I guarantee. To this day, it still bothers him. And so, but what, do you know the idea of the genesis behind it? Like, was this something, do you, do you believe it was something Goodstein decided, let's fuck with Howard a little? Or it was something they, they had to do, they were mandated to do? Uh, or was it just, uh, you know, for shits and giggles? I really don't know how that started. To be honest, I, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. supposedly it was Goodstein and Gary that were involved in the, the doing, like in the arranging of it. So, uh, and it was internal serious listeners. I don't believe it was something for, you know, the layperson or previous listeners from, from Terrestrial. Sam? Was Artie worried about the fallout, seeing how Howard was affected by it? No, because Artie knew how to play Howard. I don't mean like play him like a sucker, but he knew how to placate him. Artie, Artie knew it. Artie, Artie wasn't stupid. He knew how to make Howard happy. Okay. Well, he and he did eventually have to, you know, one of the things I already said was great. Now all this does is cause shit for me. Uh, It seems at one point Robin uh, was trying to transition from doing her own thing, like away from the show, possibly landing a talk show. How much do you know about her pilot? 
And did this cause behind the scenes tensions during her newfound charity, health ambition and show new show talk show promoting? I hate that. I don't have an answer for that because I, we, nobody knew anything about all her side projects. Let me preface this. The, The pilot takes place in approximately 2005 and the charity stuff is a few years later, more or less, even though she's got a toe in charities from, from many years previous to that as well. But she's definitely, yeah, I know what Sam's trying to say that, that there's, um, she's definitely trying to get some foothold onto doing her own thing. Yeah. There was a time where, yeah, she was doing all her guest appearances on TV shows where she was trying to branch out, but if if you knew quivers, you knew nothing was going to come of it. And I I don't want to say that in a mean way, but no, no, not in a bad way. But what 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 would be the um what would be the stumbling block in your opinion? I don't think there is enough people who know who she is to care. Okay. And I, I, I don't want to no, say no, that no, in a mean no, way, no, but no, taking your personal feelings about Robin aside from it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't think there's enough people who know about her to really care who would tune in. Okay. That makes sense. During that time period, people were annoyed on the show with her constant harping on the charity. She was constantly promoting it, constantly making it a part of the show, and then kind of, without saying it, making people try to participate in this and then not doing enough or doing too little. Or Did that bother people on the show? Did people... Because as you know, about that. as you know, we're doing the 15 Foundation, and we're still not even—we're about, I don't know, a, a third of the way through. You've done other episodes on the 15 Foundation, though, right? Uh, e- well, six six episodes so far, and we're yeah, probably yeah, going to have another three. Say, I, I remember listening to some of them. Yeah, but re- regarding the charities, I really don't know much about them. I just, but I understand when when she. If we get to the point where some, that's the way it is on the show. If somebody repeats the same thing, they're crowbarring a plug in, they're crowbarring a plug in. Like at one point, the guys in control will be like, oh, come on, again, another one, another one. What was the one thing Beth did where she must have plugged it a thousand times? Gift scriptions. Gift scriptions. And I remember that. It was almost just like, we almost had like a running tally going ding, 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 how many times she was going to say it. Would Robin be the only one that would have that kind of power to pl- crowbar those in without ki- any kind of blowback from Howard? Um, without a doubt. Without okay. A, yeah, definitely. I mean, Christ, Fred had to get his plugs right at the end of the show. By it. Fred had to read his own plugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when, when everybody was long gone. Um, yeah. uh, Richie, were you there when um, – this was something that came off the top of my head. Were you there when the Gary at the Gary Boosie appearance – uh, when he wrestled Howard to the ground? Yeah, I was kind of new there, if I remember correctly. I must have been there maybe a year or two. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, then that, or so early days, you may not have been privy to everything, but uh, later on, maybe people told you more about it. Do you remember of any, any kind of like, um, any kind of blowback after that? Like any kind of, uh, you know, long ranging consequences to how security was done later and uh, how hair. it was changed or his hair, the big net picture? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that was the impetus for Ronnie to be sitting in the hallway. Yeah. I think that's what brought him up from waiting in the car the whole show to having him actually come up and be sitting on the chair in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Do you have a relationship with Ronnie? Oh, yeah. Ronnie's still one of my closest friends. We were speaking 
via text two days ago. Mm-hmm. Just talking now, about how he's how he's doing in Vegas, how he's happy for me, how I'm happy for him, and I love that guy. I love him more than anybody else on that show. That's interesting. I was when I was cutting clips for a breakdown episode for Fillmore and Raven. Uh, it was very telling how they are so nasty to Ronnie retiring. And they are just harping on every single aspect about it. And even to the point where they're having Ralph call in and Ronnie is just TKOing them, knocking them down. It's amazing. One by one. And I highlighted all of them, which you will love our latest breakdown on Sunday mm-hmm. where Ronnie just literally kicks their ass one by I one when they this. bring up their points. It's amazing. Yeah. And they're such cunts. Such cunts. <laughs> well, it's it's like it's in the line with the you know the the line of awful farewells everybody gets when they do leave the show, unless you're left you know like you guys were unceremoniously yeah. dropped. No, no big, uh, no big fuck you. Get the fuck out, Sam. You. The funniest you part be, was you can't be the dumper. You know what I mean. You have to be the dumpy. Yeah. So yeah. So you can't leave Howard. Howard has to be the one to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you can't leave him and you have to have Ralph call in. And the funniest was Ralph calls in and Ronnie starts piling on about what Ralph does. He, Oh, you're stylist. And he starts <laughs> going on with Ralph. And, you know, Howard started getting nervous. So he has to shut it down. But Ronnie wouldn't let it get shut down right away. Yeah. So he goes, oh, yeah, Ronnie, because or yeah, Ralph, because you because I pay for when I stay places and I don't preload <laughs> off of this and that. And then all of a sudden Howard starts getting nervous and he's like, okay, Ralph, like basically hang up the phone. Cause he had to protect, go he had, he to, had protect to protect Ralph. his, Ralph. his butt boy. Yeah. Well, oh my God. I know that, uh, with, with, uh, Ronnie, you're not going to ever, you know, talk, tell any tales out of school, but could you say that, could you take for sure that he's absolutely happy as hell that he's moving, he's going to retire and move to Vegas? Because it seems like he's, he's super happy, super happy. Yeah. He's beyond happy. I've been texting him and been in contact with him the whole time from his move out there. He's so happy. He's having a ball. He's having a good life. He's, I think he's going to, I think he's back on the show though. Cause he told me how to be up at three fifteen. Jesus, Monday so live, morning. so live, basically, yeah, yeah, wow. three fifteen. Jesus, so, so even better for him. He's he's getting paid to hang out, and but he's going to be in Vegas where he's happier. Good yeah, for him. totally, totally. Well, yeah, because he won't go back in the studio. But in your estimate, when you talk to Ronnie, do you have you seen his attitude? Like, do you think it's also changed towards the show? Do you think he's also disappointed? Because there was this point where I've been watching old clips where, for example, Lisa G was being harassed by the staff. Like, why won't you allow Howard TV to film the cookie party? And why won't you take one for the team? And she knew better sense than anyone else. You pay me. Like, I'm not going to give you free content unless you pay me. And Ronnie, not understanding how the business works, didn't understand being used for content. And now Ronnie, as an older, wiser person, now being used all these years for content and abused, I think gets that realization. So do you feel he's 
I totally am aware of where the show is. I, I don't know because to this day, what, nine years later, Ronnie and I do not discuss the show whenever we talk. Because I don't want to put him in an uncomfortable position where if, so, God forbid, if he, ta- he tells me something and I let it slip or I tell you guys something. And yeah. I would never I would never want to put our friendship in jeopardy. So right. I, I, in my gut, he knows. Yeah. That's he what, knows. In that's, my gut, that's, that's, your, con- that's just conjecture. That's not, uh, yeah. That's and you just, also could tell just by the way he, for us as listeners, the way he's so adamant about his happiness from leaving. Yeah. Well, good for Ronnie, honestly. Uh, and he's, I mean, Christ, he's of the age. He could have been, should have maybe been retired earlier, but, uh, you know, things happen. Um, I've got a question about from Todd Menard, one of our fans. What really, what happened to, um, it's just wrong. It didn't not, it did not seem to last very long. Was there some kind of, um, censorship issues or, uh, was it a TV issue? What was the story with that? It, it just <laughs> was wrong. <laughs> it definitely tweaked a lot of people back at e and yeah. it was definitely blowback from that yeah but was was there a single episode that did it or was the cumulative you know women, <laughs> mothers and daughters and shit yeah i i think it, it just started off you know like a bomb going off and it just kept smoldering and smoldering and it was a fi- it was a firework factory on fire. It was just an explosion after an explosion after an explosion. I bet. But it was great. Um, I had to, I got a chance to listen to that meathead in the hallway. The one I say is always looking for a place to plug in his iPhone. The guy that does the interviews with all the ex staffers, the baseball guy. Uh, yeah. Um, no. he, and, and at one point they had he had a conversation with um, D- uh, Doug and um, Scott DePace, and they were mentioning about how. The equipment, getting them to upgrade equipment was such a fucking hassle. Here's my question to you, Rich. Now, in demand, how how did the, the 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 structure work? Like when stuff needed to be replaced, where was the money coming from? Was it from Sirius or Howard's production company? Because my understanding for the longest time was Sirius gave Howard X amount of money, and then he was to determine who got what, like from his pie, this is going to be budgeted towards the show. Other people are of the opinion, no, Howard TV in demand paid, you know, well, you know, who paid what? Because it's, it, it sounds to me like they pay, they give him the, they, Sirius gives him this money by contract. He gives money to in demand to outsource basically, Yeah. you know, workers. How did it, we, uh, how, we were, how did it go? We were budgeted by in demand, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. A certain amount of money for new equipment. Every time the contract got renewed, it was like, you know, the Sears catalog came for DePace. He was like, oh, we can get new stuff. We can get new stuff. Because <laughs> no, it, it was. It was like Christmas for that guy. Okay. So so it was whenever it was budgeted in, we, it was always a certain amount of money put aside from the in-demand side. Okay. But but was this was this in-demand, was it? via Sirius or via Howard? It was from what I I believe mm-hmm. the Howard side. The Howard side of the, the okay. pie. Okay. So he determined like yes, we have budget for this. No, we don't. So this is what you're getting. No, you're gonna have to make do with this type of camera, tough shit. Get a replacement, get a used one, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Now when you came up for your contracts for on demand, for example 
Did you guys sit there during contract negotiations with the on-demand people? You guys weren't union or were you union? No, we weren't union at all, at, at E or at in-demand. Mm-hmm. And you had no ability to be union at E? That I never cared about because I was just so happy to have my first job in television. I didn't yeah. really give a shit. Yeah. I was just a late, and to be part of the show, it was like, I, I didn't care if it was union or not. Mm-hmm. But when we would do the events, those were union gigs. When we did mm-hmm. stuff at like Roseland, so we couldn't touch a cable. We couldn't yeah. do, we couldn't do anything, man. Mm-hmm. Did you eventually, like, as the years went by when you were working, did you see the importance of being in a union? Oh, I would have loved to have been in a union. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because Scott, I believe Scott, uh, Scott, um, God. I think Scott was the only guy yeah. in the union. But that he was grandfathered in from yeah. way back when. That's that's why, I guess. The Howard Stern Film Festival only lasted a year. Was there any reason other than just no one, like, what was the reasons for this? I have no idea, and I would like to know, because that was so much fun. And mm-hmm. as technology got better and effects got better. Yeah. Oh, you know, 10, 15 years later, there could have been some really good films. And you know celebrities would have thrown in a couple of movies of their own, which would have been great. Well, the the, the thing I, I thought that the films were, except, well, some of them were okay, but uh, I thought the goofing on the films was the the most fun, like being able to, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the infighting and JD giving Robin shit about hers. And I, I thought that was way more entertaining than any of them. I was just wondering if there was a, a, ever a meeting that uh, that came down that we decided, okay, it's not for us, it's too much work or something like that. No, I don't know if there was a meeting or how it came down that it went away. When did you first become aware of Howard was signing on to AGT or was interested in doing it? As soon as he announced it. That was it. Yep. He loves the announcements. He, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he would telegraph and that. Wh- yeah. And so what was everyone's like general attitude or feeling towards that? You knew a big announcement was going to be made because especially if Buckwall was hanging out, you know, in the green room. Totally. You knew oh. a big announcement was going to be made. That mm-hmm. was that was normally your clue. Like, okay, guys, be quiet in the control room. Something's going down. I know a bunch of us were like, good for him. This is going to be great. It, you know, you're thinking you're going to get a certain Howard. And then you got this fluff piece who is not, who, you know, it's the hardcore fans were like, well, what, what is this shit? But middle America, you know, he got what he wanted. They liked him. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. A lot of people said that to me, too. They said he's going to be even more wicked than Simon Cowell. Yeah. He's going to be completely honest and dastardly, just rip them apart. Because the you, know, you, you listen to those uh, smelly cunt rants on Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> and you just think, well, of course he's going to be this way. But he was nothing like that. Yeah, you thought you were getting a tiger, and you got a you know a little kitten. Yeah, you got a paper lamb. tiger. Yeah, yeah. I only have one other question, um, Rich, and then I'm and then Sam, please have have full free reign. Um, the uh, God, now it's now it's uh, escaped me. Uh, oh yeah, you. We can say you've you're down in Florida now, right? Yes, I am. I wanted to ask you, what was the adjustment like from move, living in New York so many years and then moving down to Florida? Did it was it a little jarring for you? Yeah, it's still taking 
me some time to get used to it. But I'm in a cute little town. They call it the Mayberry of Florida. It's all little white picket fences and only 17,000 people. And as there's walkability. That's all I give a shit about. Can mm-hmm. I walk and find a Greek diner to get breakfast in the morning? Yes. Can I walk to like a coffee shop down the street? Yes. So as long as I got the walkability, that keeps me sane. Mm-hmm. Was what people I don't what I just will fail to understand because one of my best friends is from uh, from Tallahassee. Um, he says Florida is like its own country and like it's almost like Vietnam. The north and the south are from top to bottom. You could be in a different. It, it seems like you're in a different place every time, and that all walks of life. Oh, you can pretty much tell who lives in what county just by looking at them. <laughs> Isn't that the beautiful thing about state sovereignty? I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Florida. We have family feel, in Florida. You feel but... odd man out if you don't have like a court issued ankle bracelet on down here. <laughs> Sam, well, yeah, go ahead. We're we're all our own states. That's the good thing, you know. We all have our own states. So, Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm but I'll be back in New York. I, I couldn't, de- I couldn't deal days. with the I fucking heat. Like, I love fall. Fall in New York is my favorite time. It is. Hoodie and shorts weather is yeah. uh, the best weather. It yeah. really is. I, but you get that down opener, here. I live in Buffalo, so I'm the biggest Bills fan in the entire world. I just got my Converse Bills, new Bills shoes. I can't wait for the home opener because they didn't have it last year because of COVID. Right. We're yeah. going bananas you think the college football games were crazy watching them on tv wait till you see the home opener this year it's gonna be insane i can't wait so i meant to ask richie so do you do you make it up to new york every so often like you saw family up there do you make it a point to go up there or does rachel have family up there that you still have to go see and uh, or want make it a point to go see yeah i have fa- my mom is still up there and i still have mm-hmm. a house up in the- i still have a place in the city that mm-hmm. i own Mm-hmm. So I'm going up there just for a week to see my mom because she's and she's 80 now. And she's getting old. So I try to go up there at least once or twice a year just to say hello to her and mm-hmm. check in on her and all that. But um, normally I'd be hanging out with my mom and Ronnie. So Ronnie's yeah. gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I, I normally go to like this one bar in Brooklyn. I'll tell people I'm going to be there. And last time Gorillo showed up and Ganji came and. Richard Christie came one time to hang out when I was there. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to see a bunch of people that I still miss and hang, you know, mm-hmm. miss hanging with. Yeah. Florida is a great retirement place for people in New York. So I know a lot of Buffalo people who retired to Florida or moved to Florida. So there are, like, I've traveled to Buffalo Bills games where we go to Florida to watch games. And there are a ton of Bills fans in Florida, a ton. And we go to bars and games. I mean, it's crazy. They, There's tons of Bills fans in Florida. They love the Bills in Florida. Tons of Bills and tons of Packers. Tons. Yes. 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 There's a lot down here. Um, work requirements uh, notwithstanding, uh, Rich, if you how, how hard would it be to twist your arm to go see Ronnie in Vegas and just <laughs> hit the clubs with him? Oh, if I told Rachel I'm going to Vegas for the weekend with Ronnie to go to hit the strip club, she'd like have the best time. <laughs> That's and, great. And, and I would leave in a second. If Ronnie texts me and says, this Saturday, c- 
come in for the weekend. I'm there. I'm there. I'm gone. I'll well, kiss my kids goodbye and I'll go have the best time. Well, next next time you do, give them our best, please. I definitely will. Okay, I have a, cu- a couple more questions. Uh, did you ever attend a North Shore Animal League charity event? No. <laughs> okay, good. Why don't you just ask him, you didn't see Abba Gold? <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, BG's well, gold. Go ahead. I I had to ask. I had to ask. <laughs> okay. No, it's good. Listen, come on. Uh, was there an on-demand uh, TV idea that you or the staff had or thought was a great idea, and Howard or the execs execs just didn't greenlight, and you guys were disappointed? There was going to be a surgery performed in the studio once. <laughs> what? Was it a yeah. breast surgery? No, no, I forget what it was, but there was going to be some sort of sur- imp- shit. I don't remember what it was, but there was going to be some sort of minor procedure wait, wait, done wait, in the wait. studio. I, I remember. I remember the dialogue was: you said Bowie went all ape shit and said, "Who are you to tell us that we can't have that?" Or something like that. Something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, yeah, because you know, it's just it wasn't. A, it's not sanitary. It's, it's a yeah. It's it's unhygienic. It's, it's, yeah, it's not healthy. And and so the TV exec, the higher ups in the TV were like, "We're not. We can't do this. We can't. We're not going to show this." Yeah. And then the shit rolled downhill. Okay. This is so funny. I mean, from the guy who won't even let his wife take a walk now outside, <laughs> he's like, "Where did you go?" Without a mask, did you talk to anybody? I guess the only surgery done in there was with the Sibian. Um, <laughs> what other questions, <laughs> Sam? Please. Um. Okay. Uh, what was Beth like when she was drunk and what was the most intoxicated you've ever seen her? Uh, Christmas party. And she was a fun drunk. Her and Rachel had a great time. They were just arm in arm, you know, hugging on each other and having a good time. And she was just a fun, fun drunk. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the wedding, so think- the wedding. If I, I think I remember leaving the wedding. She was, she was feeling no pain that night. <laughs> Oh. The, those are some of the best photos ever. I, I I can't remember. I don't know the pop who got them or but okay. God, we speak your name. I have a couple more. Hold on. What in your opinions were the worst look Ralph had on Howard over the years? And Charlie what? Brown. <laughs> the Charlie, the Charlie Brown. Brown shirt. Charlie Brown oh. shirt. <laughs> uh, top three. <laughs> top three. Charlie Brown shirt. Like the, he had like this, um, it was like baby blue and white <laughs> and blue, like gauze. And it would be like unbuttoned all the way down to his navel. Yeah. Like it was Paul Stanley. With the white beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Paul had the gayer rap stage raps yeah. and you can find those on YouTube, the, the collected ones. Um, oh, go ahead, Sam, please. Okay. Uh, Robin, who is seldomly angry at Howard, what was the most mad you've ever seen her at Howard? Great question. Uh, and why? I can't recall one. I really can't think of one. She was really it, super pissed at him. It wouldn't be like the uh, when he was reading about uh, robinswrong.com and how she wants to get the guy in. 
I, you know what? I, I'm drawing a blank. I really can't think of a time where she lost her shit and got pissed off. Aside from that, remember when they were like, Robin, you have to clean out your shit. You have all this crap laying oh, yeah. around the her office. Off, her office, oh, her her office was a mess. It was and cute. it was like a hoarding situation. What the hell was in there? And why wouldn't she clean it up? And how bad was it? It's a lot of the swag shit that, that's given to her. Gold mm-hmm. records, you know, that- tchotchke phones of an album coming out. And it's just all shit piled up in there that she couldn't, you know, be bothered to take home. And so who would be tasked to deal with that? And what would you guys do with it? <laughs> that, that would be a Gary thing. Gary probably had an intern go take the stuff collected. <laughs> and then, and then, then Gary would probably say, hey, Robin, we have this, 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 this. Do you want it or get rid of it? And then she would say, toss it. I'll put it in the glom box. The glom box. I was going to say, what was? Oh, that was that was the sub question I had uh, from the last time. Was there? What was the? Did you ever take anything from the glom box? And what would you say? Was there anything ever good oh, in the glom dude, box? I, I got a bidet and I sold it on eBay for three hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want the butterface T-shirt? <laughs> I, no, no. I, I got my bidet and I looked it up online. I was like, holy shit! And I sold it for three hundred bucks. Right. Wow. Jesus. No, I got okay. a lot of good books. I got a lot of good books out of the Glom box. Because uh, it was it was all it was all promo stuff. CDs, yeah. In the days of CDs, you yeah. got tons of good music out of that thing. Mm-hmm. And if you you know if the, and if you were out stuck in the rain, and you come in and you're soaked. There's always a T-shirt in the Glom box. <laughs> that's Aww, good. That, what that, a nice boss. That's cool. Uh, do you have any more, Sam, or can we, should we, can we let Richie go? One more. Uh, Mark Mark Spriggan, that guy who ran Mark the site. M- he tore Mark Mercer. What's his name? Mark Mercer. He toured uh, Howard on demand and wrote about it on his blog. And he said the contacts will be refreshed. He said the contacts of Howard TV will be refreshed beginning in April of 2006 daily. But this faltered as time went on. Can you explain why? I have no idea. Well, there could be some days when there is nothing and we didn't have a bank of shows to put up yet. Okay. You know, because, because from a four-hour show, we can get – some days we would get nothing. Yeah. And we'd have, to, we'd have to pull stuff out of our ass from the past week and do like a bunch of five-minute clip shows. Because And if this was early on, we didn't have any anything built up. So why wasn't Howard interested in making an all-encompassing experience then? I think it probably would have cost a hell of a lot to do. And that's just not in the budget. No, that makes sense. Marvels. <laughs> it's, am- it's, am- it's amazing how much wasn't in the budget. What, what was the most fun shoot or show you ever produced or shot? That's a good question. Hank's Makeover. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Hank's Makeover, Hank's Makeover, and Beetlejuice for Senator. Those, <laughs> those are the best. Why? No, I love Beat. Because, I mean, uh, Hank's Makeover was the funniest shit ever because when you go to the doctor, cause you know, we got him a teeth cleaning at the dentist. Yeah. And you know, when you go to a doctor and like, do you have this, 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 you just check no down the whole thing. Yeah. For Hank, it was yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So then the doctor had to get more clarification on why, why yes. Yeah. And then as the doctor's talking to him, Hank would just go, 
poor Hank. Uh, that was the most. I remember Doug and I were pissing ourselves laughing the entire day. That was that was one of the greatest ever. And oh, Beetlejuice for Senator was great because it was not long. The day of Beetlejuice's first appearance, I took him to the seminar with Doug on how to pick up women. And that's when that's where he vomited. He vomited that night. And that was the night we realized Beetle just can't repeat what you're saying. Because in the studio that day, he was fine because they didn't ask him to repeat anything. So when we knew that Beetle just couldn't repeat and then it was time for the Beetle just for Senator shoot, I was like, Doug, there's no way in hell I'm not working on this shoot with you. And just to get him to say vote for Senator Beetlejuice took about 20 minutes. And by the end of the day, <laughs> by the end of the day, Beetlejuice gets very cranky. So then you're dealing with someone who doesn't want to be on set anymore. And he just gets really pissy. But he, he pushed through. And that's, to, to this day, that's one of my favorite, favorite bits ever. And that was all Doug Dixon, man. That was genius. God, that's, I vote for him over so many other people right now. <laughs> that's that's a, that's amazing, amazing story. Um, Rich, I don't want to keep you much longer because you've been very gracious. Uh, thanks so much for everything. And any, any plugs you want to make, please? You know what? I'm good. I don't need any plugs tonight. I am good. And if I came off lazy or tired tonight, I am sorry because I smoked the joint right before we did this interview. So I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, you're, you're no bong. You're no bong hit, Eric, or anybody. Else. Uh, we we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank, thank you guys you so much. Thanks. Have a great night. Take care, Rich. Scott Wilde and a Stone Temple Pilots. Um, <laughs> there's a band that, uh, God, I just could give a rat's ass around. <laughs> I mean, what is that? What are you learning from? Why use it? This is no wonder people like this special. <laughs> it's the anti-special. There's nothing special about these guys. I really, I really, they're one of those bands I never got.